KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, June 9th. Into the yellow tier we go. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. An FBI investigation led by San Diego's office resulted in more than 800 drug trafficking arrests around the world in what's been called Operation Trojan Shield. Suspects sent messages about their criminal activity through what they thought was encrypted technology called a NOM, but it was actually the FBI's own program. Here's Special Agent Suzanne Turner from San Diego's FBI field office. It was exactly what car was coming to what location, what maybe vessel or ship, and they were very explicit in their detail because they believed it was secure communications. The Trojan Shield arrests are the culmination of more than five years of investigation. More than 3,900 migrant children were separated from their parents under the zero-tolerance policy from July 2017 to the end of Trump's presidency. That's according to a new report from the Biden administration. In the coming weeks, the White House says it will reunite over two dozen families that were separated at the southern border. At about 8 p.m.-ish last night, some sort of thing shook San Diego County in Tijuana, and no one really knows what it was. Mayor Todd Gloria tweeted that yes, he heard it, no, he doesn't know what it is, but he'll share information if he gets any. This is the third time since February that San Diego has experienced the mysterious phenomena, and there's a few unofficial names for it, too, Skyquake being one of them. The United States Geological Survey showed no seismic activity for us last night, so that rules out our best guess. We'll keep you posted. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. We're officially one week away from California fully reopening after more than a year of COVID-19 restrictions. Officials feel we may be well on our way to reaching herd immunity, but KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says the virus isn't going away anytime soon. The pandemic is not over. June 15th is uh, not the magic date or bullet. County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten says we're still seeing about 100 COVID-19 cases per day, but things are definitely slowing down as the state prepares to lift nearly all COVID-19 restrictions next week. We are near the end of the tunnel. We are optimistic that the worst of COVID-19 may now be in the rearview mirror. Another sign the situation is improving. San Diego is moving to the state's least restrictive yellow reopening tier that allows for more capacity at businesses and group events. And that is a tremendous testament to San Diegans' willingness to get vaccinated and a tremendous testament to our entire health care system. County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says San Diego is about 80% toward its goal to herd immunity. And in addition to the state's incentives, those cash prizes, county officials are doing their own, now partnering with the San Diego Padres, entering those vaccinated in raffles for tickets, and there will be two pop-up vaccination sites coming to Petco Park. The first uh, is coming this Saturday on June 12th, and the second is on June 26th. 
The first 1,000 people vaccinated at each of these Petco events gets a free commemorative T-shirt. Officials say vaccine supply is not an issue. We now have more vaccines than we have people that want to get vaccinated. There's a big push this month to reach those unvaccinated with mobile teams. Then officials say vaccine distribution will be similar to flu shots, meaning the once very busy superstations will soon be closing. When you have a fire and you declare a state of emergency, that state of emergency continues beyond because it is a part of the rebuild. It is a part of the recovery. County officials say to align with the state, they will be extending its state of emergency to the end of the year, but that doesn't necessarily mean more restrictions post-June 15th. Day-to-day -day life uh, for uh, San Diegans will revert to uh, as close to normal as we've been uh, in more than a year and a half. County health officials are still tracking a number of variants that could be more contagious or less receptive to the vaccines. Public reports about our local COVID-19 situation will soon shift to weekly, and after next week, those regular weekly news briefings will only happen as necessary. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors are discussing how they're going to divvy up about $650 million worth of federal relief money. KPBS's John Carroll reports on some of the planning. No one deserves to be homeless. No one deserves to be struggling. No one. Mia Roseberry co-founded and runs Wounded Warrior Homes based in San Marcos. We provide transitional housing and reintegrative support services for post 9-11 veterans with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. Like so many nonprofits, Roseberry says she could use more financial help, especially when it comes to assisting veterans experiencing homelessness. It was somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the homeless are veterans in San Diego. So a significant um, funding from the county with regarding to housing would always be very helpful to, like I said, for help us to plan for long range funding. Here's a big picture breakdown of how county staff is recommending the money be distributed. The lion's share, $307.5 million, would go to costs already incurred from the pandemic and money to deal with it into the future. As you can see, homeless services, small business, infrastructure, mental health, and premium pay for county workers who stayed on the job during the crisis would all get assistance. But a lot of small businesses still need cash support. Uh, so that they can pay their employees, pay their rent. Though the Chamber of Commerce represents many types of businesses, Jerry Sanders says restaurants are among the hardest hit. Many shelled out thousands to build outdoor dining spaces, and with the on-again, off-again closures, purchasing food was a vexing proposition. And they wouldn't know whether to buy it or not, and they'd have to just take a chance and buy it, and sometimes they just would end up throwing it away. The premium pay portion of the money for essential county employees is opposed by Supervisor Joel Anderson. Overall, Chairman Nathan Fletcher says the help should be coming soon. And our hope is uh, by uh, summer, uh, folks will be able to benefit from, uh, from those programs. Programs that represent a big forward step in helping the people of this county recover from the COVID pandemic. And that was KPBS's John Carroll. Social service agencies have fallen short in the pandemic, so mutual aid groups run by volunteers have sprung up across San Diego County to fill in the gaps. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim tells us how one local group is working to feed the homeless. 
It's 6 a.m. Sunday, and Athena Bazalaki and her boyfriend Fernando Tabor are already brewing a second giant craft of coffee and assembling over 40 sandwiches. As music plays in the background, Bazalaki dances around the kitchen, but she moves with the methodical purpose of someone that's done this routine a few times. She's the founder of Breakfast Block, a mutual aid volunteer-run group that provides hot meals, tents, clothing, and anything else people donate to San Diego's unsheltered population. This is her 10th event. The other day when I got home from work, there was just like boxes uh, at the front of just donations of clothes. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, you know, we worry and we need stuff. And then people are like, bing. Bazalaki says mutual aid, which has become increasingly popular during the pandemic, is a simple concept rooted in community. I mean, it's for all of us, because the idea is if you needed help, I'm going to help you. And then if I need help, you're going to help me. And that's just how it works. Bazalaki first came up with the idea for Breakfast Block in February, after seeing a video showing a group of San Diego police officers surrounding a homeless woman. One officer pointed a gun at her. In that moment, something clicked. I realized that I have definitely um, been guilty of looking past unsheltered people, feeling guilty about what I have, feeling guilty that I'm not doing enough. But this time, I was like, you know what, let's do this. By 8 a.m., Bazalaki and over 20 volunteers are unloading two pickup trucks full of items. They set up on the bridge at the intersection of 17th and Island over the constant din of the I-5. When they arrive, there's already a line of people eager to see them, including Terry Young, who helps them unload boxes from the truck. Young has been unsheltered for two years. He came early to help out and to grab some food and socks. He says breakfast block feels like community. Feels pretty comfortable, you know, people are really friendly. It's like family, in a sense, you know, where they come towards people and, you know, pretty professional. The number of people that entered homelessness for the first time doubled last year in San Diego County, according to the Regional Task Force on the Homeless. Finding a home is especially hard here, where the median home price rose to over $800,000 this past April. And the rental market is equally tough with more than 130,000 low-income renters locked out of affordable housing. At one point during Breakfast Block, Bazalaki is driving around the area with a megaphone in hand to let people know what's happening. As a black woman and mother to two black sons, Bazalaki is also deeply involved in the racial justice movement. She was on the front lines of the local protests last year following the police violence that killed George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I felt like I was at my wit's end and the only way to kind of express myself was to get out and protest in the streets. She sees Breakfast Block as an extension of her racial justice work. You know, the fact that it's disproportionately people of color, it's like, you know, there's something there. There are things that, that are adding up and it's these systems were put in place on purpose. Decades of racist policies like redlining, over-policing, pay discrimination, and unequal access to credit have made black Americans more vulnerable to housing insecurity. One in three homeless people in San Diego are black, even though black people only make up 5.5% of the general population. Bazalaki sees these struggles as interconnected. It's not an individual issue. None of these issues are individual issues. These are, these are community problems, and we have to be here for each other. By 10.30 a.m., it's time to wrap up. But Breakfast Block will be back in a couple of weeks, trying to make San Diego a more just place, one cup of coffee at a time. And that was KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim. 
coming up. Well, we're very concerned. Um, you know, children are being seen for the first time in over 12 months. They're being seen by all the mandated reporters. So a huge number of children are entering into the foster care system due to all of the stress and abuse and neglect that's happened during the pandemic. The changes to San Pasquale Academy have inspired a conversation about foster care in San Diego County. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The move to close a North County group home for foster children has put a spotlight on foster care in San Diego County. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has a look at how the system is changing, especially after COVID-19. In 2015, the Assembly passed a bill to eliminate most group homes for foster youth. The ultimate goal was to maintain a stable permanent family for foster children. Congregate care, the use of group homes, was to be limited to short-term interventions. That's something Teresa Stivers says her organization did decades ago. When we see the, the youth who enter our program at 18 from a group home, the majority of them don't have a GED. They have no life skills whatsoever. They don't know how to live independently or even out in the community. They've been told what to do every day, every minute of their lives. Stivers is the CEO of Walden Family Services. She says when her foster care agency was established in 1976, they only worked with group homes. So we changed very quickly um, to move into foster care in a family situation. Because if we don't teach these children to learn how to live in a family situation when they're young, when are they going to learn? It's going to be much more beneficial to them as they get older. Rajagini was born into the foster care system and spent his childhood living in different places. In between seven to 11, I went through probably um, I want to say around nine or ten different foster homes and probably maybe four or five different schools. I've been in a couple different group homes by that time. Ganey says that through his experience, he preferred the family setting over the group home. Just the environment, it was more so just kind of like summer camp, extended summer camp. And, you know, that's fun for a kid, but for my education, it really suffered. Um, I had challenges when I was moving back to certain foster homes. I was moving to new, new schools. Um, so obviously, if you're somewhere for an extended period of time, once you get back to your regular um, routine, it's a challenge. At 11 years old, Ganey found stability when he got referred to Walden Family Services. They really supported, you know, me and making sure that I was stable. And then also when it came time for me to transition out of foster care, which was a challenge, um, Walden really stepped up and tried to find as many resources and opportunities to help me and other kids get out. Ganey is now on the board for Walden Family Services, has a family of his own, and has stayed in touch with his mentor for 26 years. Walden offers a treatment team that helps individualize what each case needs, work that didn't stop because of the pandemic. We continued to place children during the pandemic. We placed children who had COVID and our nurse came up with a plan. The families agreed to quarantine 
So we worked nonstop as essential workers. It didn't stop for us just because of the pandemic. Stiver says she expects the entire child welfare system will be busier than ever this next year due to the aftermath of the pandemic. Well, we're very concerned. Um, you know, children are being seen for the first time in over 12 months. They're being seen by all the mandated reporters, whether they're in the doctor's offices, they're in sports, they're in the schools. So a huge number of children are entering into the foster care system due to all of the stress and abuse and neglect that's happened during the pandemic. Another stressor for the system is the expansion of foster care to youths aged 18 to 21. Stiver says more resources, donations, and foster families are always needed. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.